I like to tell people that I grew up in a tricultural family, although we were all black American people. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. It's Nikki Lerner here. I hope you are doing great today. I'm feeling amazing today. And uh, I don't know about you, uh, but on the days where I feel super amazing, um, (laughs) you know, like, uh, I mean, I usually feel good most days, but um, on a day like today where, I don't know, for some reason I woke up and I felt really, really great. Um, this is a day to capitalize on it all. So I figured today was the day to record the podcast. So here I am. I am delighted uh, to spend some time with you. Thank you for spending time with me today. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just glad that we get to be together. So uh, today I wanted to share a story with you. Uh, so I uh, started working with a new client this month. Very, very excited about this client um, they're awesome. Their team is awesome. Uh, get to work with their executive team. Uh, they are in the sports genre, um, professional sports genre. And uh, I just could not be more delighted to be able to work with these awesome people uh, trying to uh, continue on in their diversity efforts. And so uh, while I was in person uh, with this group of people, one of the executives Uh, during our time together, leaned in and asked me, uh, essentially, why do you do this work? Why do you care about it? (laughs) And you know, what was interesting is, and I think I I said this to her, um, when she asked me, I said, you know, thank you for asking that. Um, Not many people ask me that uh, about why this is even so important, even to me. Uh, in the first place. And so uh, I figured I would share with you guys and as I share with her uh, about why this is so important to me. So I really believe in my life that um, there's so many things I can look back on now as a uh, an older person, uh, particularly when I look back on my life as a younger person, um, where I could see what I call a divine setup. All right. So Here's a little bit of my cultural come from, my cultural grow up, if you will, as a small person, a small person. I've never been a small person, y'all, as a younger person. (laughs) So my parents were married. Uh, Wanda and Ronald were their names. And uh, if you've ever met me in person, you know that uh, I am tall. I am about six feet on the floor uh, and I usually have a heel on, y'all. So don't be surprised when you meet me, okay? Uh, but I usually have a heel on. I'm, I'm tall. My dad, uh, Ronald, was 6'4", 
and my mom, Wanda, was 5'2". And so I am told that I am a spitting image of my father. Uh, I've seen pictures of him. Uh, he is indeed tall and diesel and all the things. Uh, and uh, apparently I have my mom's disposition. Uh, my mom was an amazing person. She's no longer with us. Both of my parents are deceased now. Uh, but my mom, she could walk into a room and just light it up with her smile and her presence. Uh, she was just an incredible person. Um, her birthday is this month. So I'm thinking about her. She's on my mind. Uh, so Wanda and Ronald came together in their twenties, uh, and, uh, they got married, they fell in love, they got married and then they had me and I am the only child of my parents. And so then when I was one, uh, my dad, Ronald, uh, passed away and he had a car accident on the way to come pick me up when I was a baby and had a car accident and, uh, died the night of the accident. I think, uh, I may have some of these details off, but I, I think that, uh, my dad was 26 or something like that when he passed away. So I never knew him. And the only way that I really know him right now is through pictures that I have, uh, stories that my family tells me, and then things that I call, uh, stories and fantasies that I make up as his daughter. <laughs> um, any of you that have lost parents or, or and parents that you didn't know, uh, you know, sometimes we can tend to make things up. Um, you know, I try to get as much information as possible about who my dad was. Um, and I'm sure just like everybody else, he probably had uh, his quirks and all the things. But to me, um, my fantasy is that he was a superhero and uh, that he loved me very much. I know that's not a fantasy. I know that's true. Um, but he loved me very much. And uh, so that's my story. And so I was the only child of my parents. Uh, I believe that it was when I was three years old, maybe. When I was three years old, my mom remarried uh, my stepfather. His name is John. And, uh, you know, now we we had a, uh, my, my mom told me that now, you know, I have a father figure, which is great, uh, when she remarried. And now we married into a step family. So right from the beginning, I like to tell people that I grew up in a tricultural family, although we were all black American people. <laughs> now, there are some of you, uh, particularly those of you that have grown up in black families, that you know exactly what I mean when I say that. And there's uh, there are others of you that are listening that you maybe like cock your head to the side like, huh? How's that possible? Right? Well, first of all, just know that the, just like in every community, the African-American community is very diverse. Uh, we are not a monolith <laughs> at all. Uh, there are so many layers, so many beautiful layers to who we are uh, as a people. And uh, oftentimes there is so much diversity uh, within the African-American community that oftentimes uh, we can not understand each other. And that is how I grew up in my family. And so my father's, my biological father's side of the family, Ronald, if you remember him, okay. Ronald's side of the family uh, is from Gloucester, Virginia, uh, and is very rural. And uh, members of my family still live in Gloucester, Virginia. And that was home for my dad and his family. 
uh, I do have these memories of um, driving out to Gloucester as a young kid, as a young person. And I was always a little nervous about it. And I was a little scared because um, my family's house out there is so rural that their house is like in the middle of the trees, like in the middle of the woods. And I have these uh, these memories uh, as a kid of my mom dropping me off there sometimes at night or we would show up at night and you'd drive along this dark, dark road, right? And you'd you'd kind of drive, drive, drive. It's dark, dark, dark. And all of a sudden you'd see this little house with these little lights and that's my family's house. They live in the country. And then my mom's side of the family lived in, uh, well, my mom lived in Baltimore County. My grandmother lives in Baltimore City uh, on the east side of Baltimore City. And... My mom's family, my grandmother, my aunt, um, this is where all of the diversity was. This is where all of the diversity-minded people uh, really were, was in this side of my family, my mom's side. Um, you know, my, uh, my grandmother was always working with a diverse group of people. Her friends were always diverse. Uh, we had members of our family who uh, were just from everywhere. We had um, all different kinds of people, we had people uh, who had physical abilities. We had people who were deaf. Um, I think there's probably a person in our family who was gay. I mean, there was everything was in my mom's uh, side of the family. It's also where this mindset came from for me um, of doing diverse work. My stepfather's side of the family uh, is from inner city Baltimore. Uh, I believe most of them uh, originally were from West Baltimore. And if any of you know anything about cities or about Baltimore, you know that um, that is a culture all in itself as well. And so what would happen is now I've got three cultures kind of under one roof, kind of, we'll call it under one roof. We're not all living together, but um, kind of in our family that we had to navigate and it was not always easy. And from my perspective as a young person, that the different uh, culture groups in my family didn't always understand each other. Um, and, you know, there were times where my, my countryside of the family didn't understand my mom's side of the family. Right. And there were times where uh, the side of my step family that grew up in city culture didn't understand my mom's side of the family. My mom's side of the family didn't always understand the countryside or the city side. Right. Cause they were kind of a mix of things. And I just remember as a young person, feeling like I oftentimes had to be the translator. And um, also, I know as a young person, uh, because I was the product, I was the only child of my parents, um, I always felt like I, uh, there, I had a hard time fitting in uh, in my own family. Now, let me be clear. My mother uh, was one of the best human beings I know. <laughs> and in fact, you know, there, there, sometimes we have these conversations about, you know, like uh, your parents and their parenting styles and this kind of thing. And the, uh, you know, there's not many things that I can come up with where I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my mom um, or my parents kind of mess me up here or there or whatever. I don't have a lot of those stories, thank God. Uh, but what I can say is my mother worked really hard always. I always felt like I belonged with her always. But you can imagine what it's like for, for a kid like me. Um, you know, I, I was the only child of a previous marriage. Um, I had come in when my mom remarried my stepfather. 
he had already had family from a previous marriage. So I had an immediate step uh, sister, a couple of other step siblings who were a lot older than me. Uh, and then my, my mom and my stepfather had my brother, John, who is now my half brother. And so my perception, again, as a young person was that everybody fit in the family somewhere except for me. And at times I could just feel uh, very much on the outside. So feeling like I was on the outside and then feeling like I always had to sort of culturally translate for everybody and make sure that everybody understood one another. And um, that led to, uh, you know, a very diverse world. Uh, as a young person, as a teenager, as a person in college, had a very diverse world, very, uh, very diverse mix of friends. And um, what I remember and how I connected to the work that I do now is that um, I just I, I remember what it felt like to just feel like you don't belong. Um, and there's some other stories I'll tell you at a different time, but um, I had a lot of that growing up. I uh, had a lot of a lot of moments for many reasons why I didn't feel like I belonged places. And it went from extremes for me. It went from um, feelings of not belonging to then feelings of immediate belonging. And it went kind of back and forth, back and forth. And again, I'll tell you some of those stories later. But but I do remember uh, as a kid working hard to help people not feel like they were going to be on the outside not feeling like they didn't have anywhere to belong, not feeling like they didn't have anywhere uh, that people could see them or want to know them or feel trusted. And that is why I do the work the way that I do it. <laughs> it's really important too for you all to know that when I say the way I do it, that is why. It's because I remember as a young person and even now as an adult that I had made a promise to myself and ultimately a promise to other people that there would not be people that came into my presence at any time and would feel like I didn't see them or feel like that they didn't belong or feel like that they didn't uh, exist even. I'm sure all of us at some point know what it feels like to be in a room full of people or to be sitting at a um, an event table or something like that. And you're sitting there and you're hoping that somebody engages with you. You're hoping that somebody talks to you. You're hoping that somebody might strike up a conversation or be interested in you and it, and it not happening. Um, you know, we tend to stick with people we know, right? In a lot of settings and forget about people that might be sitting in a corner or sitting by themselves or that sort of thing. And I remember I made a promise to myself that who I was and the work that I did uh, would always make room for as many different kinds of people as possible. That it would always make room for people to feel loved and valued and seen uh, and a part of things because I knew what that felt like. And so that's my or part of my origin story that I wanted to share with you today and so that you would have a deeper understanding of why I do what I do and how I've chosen to do what I do. It's all about belonging. It's all about uh, making room. And it's all about helping people feel seen. Love you guys. See ya. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.